You're listening to a sermon preached at Redeeming Life Church. These little kiddos are an important part of our church, aren't they? I'm watching them play over here as I'm playing on the cajon with them, and I'm just reminded, you know, of the of the disciples pushing Jesus or pushing the kids away from Jesus. He's too busy for this, and we have more important things to do. And Jesus says, "No, hold on a second. Hold on a sec." I'm watching these kids love Jesus, and that is just a tremendous, tremendous blessing. All right. As our kids are kind of getting settled in. Just want to explain how this works a little bit, maybe help our kids out. This is something, like I said, we're going to be using in our new class we're starting in July, July 3rd, for our second through fifth graders. This is a great way to kind of take yourself through the sermon, take some notes. So kids that are filling out, maybe you can put the date in there, and then we're going to pray and put in what we're reading. We'll kind of talk about this as we're going through the sermon. But maybe dads, moms, help your kids. You know, if they're kind of learning how to find scripture in the Bible, help them kind of Look through that and find Romans as we're looking at Romans today. But let's kind of work on that together as a family. All right? If you have your Bible, or if you want to grab one of those Bibles nearby or open your app, we are going to be in Romans chapter 2. That's the big number. Verses 1 through 16. Those are the little numbers. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. If you're using one of those... Uh, Pew Bibles is on the seat next to you. It's going to be on page 998. So we're going to start with prayer. and We're going to seek God's help and helping us to understand his word and his message for us this morning. So let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, I am so grateful. I'm grateful for the families. I'm grateful for the kiddos. I'm grateful for worship that is not measured by its musical style, by world standards, but measured by the heart. That as we worship you, you seek to, to see the joy and the heart behind the worship. And so thank you for our worship this morning in song. And as we worship this morning in the hearing and the reading of the word, I just ask that you continue to help us to maintain that joy-filled heart, that we'd have grace and patience for our little brothers and sisters who might be a little more noisy. And we'd remember that it's going to be very noisy in the kingdom of God when we're all together singing, holy, holy, holy. I suspect that'll be loud and joyous. So Lord, this morning, bless our time and help us to see what you have in your word for us this morning. It's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's go ahead and read this text now together. I gave you a little bit of a, a break so you could find it for those who are new to looking for scriptures. Here we go. God's word says, Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same things. We know that God's judgment is on those who do such things, is based on the truth. Do you really think any of you who judges those who do such things, yet do the same, that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. Verse 6. 
He will repay each one of you according to his works. Eternal life to those who, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality. But wrath and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. There will be affliction and distress for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does what is good, first the Jew and also the Greek. For there is no favoritism with God. All who sin without the law will also perish without the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For the hearers of the law are not righteous before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. So when Gentiles, who do not by nature have the law, do what the law demands, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their conscience confirms this. Their competing thoughts either accuse or even excuse them on the day when God judges what people have kept secret, according to my gospel through Jesus Christ. All right. This is an interesting text for family worship, I realize. But it's where we're at as a church, and the kids need to to see that all of God's word is profitable and good. And here's what we see in this long section of scripture I just read. God's judgment is right. God's judgment is right. And because God's judgment is right, there are, there are three things, three things that we need to do or that we should do based on this word. Because God's judgment is right, we should be careful how we judge others. And we should cherish God's rich blessings because they're intended to lead us to repentance. And number three, we should depend on Jesus Christ for salvation. So let's go ahead and look at that first one. Because God's judgment is right, we should be careful how we judge others. We see this in Romans uh, 2, verses 1 through 3. And specifically in verses 1, it says, You judge, but do the same things. You judge, but you do the same things. Here's what this is not saying, and this is where some of us get a little sideways. This is not saying that we should not judge or assess others. We should, it's not saying don't make judgments about people. Yeah, the world says, hey, don't judge anybody. Don't judge me. But here's my question. How would we know false teachers from true teachers if we did not judge their fruit? And in Matthew 7... 15 through 23, Jesus tells us to judge the fruit. Look at them. Make a judgment. Find out, are they true teachers or false teachers? So we're told to make a judgment there. And this actually comes right on the heels of Matthew 7, 2, which is probably one of the best-known scriptures in all of the Bible, even if people don't realize where to find it in the Bible. People say, oh, don't judge unless you want to be judged. The verse says you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. It's not that if you just don't judge, then there's not going to be a judgment on the day of judgment for you. That's not the situation. It's saying when you assess, when you look at others, you do it honestly, and you do it rightly, and most importantly, you do it by God's word. I mean, how would we know who Jesus' disciples are if we couldn't judge or assess or determine how they love one another. 
Remember, Jesus said, you will know my disciples by how they love one another. He's asking us to look and judge. That's, that's John 13, 35. Here's what the verse is saying. It is saying we must realize that the judgment that we need to assess others is the same judgment that needs to be applied to us. We don't get special favoritism. God doesn't show some special circumstance. How we judge is how we're going to be judged. So we need to be honest and fair. And also, this verse is is telling us that actually it's God who does the judging. We don't set the actual standard. We are not the judge. God is the judge. God's given us the standards by which we assess people. You know that you will know them by their fruits. What do we know their fruits should look like? God told us. You will know how they're supposed to love one another. That's how you know they're my disciples. Well, how do they love one another? God told us. We're actually saying God's standard is what we measure against, and we too will be measured against God's standard. That's what this verse is saying. How many times, how many times have we judged others, assessed others, kind of picked a little bit at others here and there because we're upset with something we see in them? And then lo and behold, you realize we're looking at a mirror. It's something we see in ourselves. Man, I was so hard on them for that. But it's the same thing I do. And isn't that the thing that sometimes gets you the most? When you see the thing you do in yourself, in other people, isn't that what bothers you the most about them? Isn't that fascinating? And so this text is saying, hey, you know what? We, we need to be careful with those things. You're judging, but you do the exact same thing. Or if you don't do the exact same thing, the thing that you're judging or you're upset about is still coming from the exact same root. I'm going to share a story that Jesus shared. It's in Matthew 18. For those of you who are taking your kiddos there and need a little extra time, Matthew 18. What we have here is a little parable, a story from Jesus about a guy that has a lot of debt. And then he's forgiven, and then he turns around and he judges someone else for the debt that that, that person owes him. Uh, it's a fascinating little story. I think we can see something that we're seeing in Romans here in this parable. So Matthew 18, verses 21 through uh, 35. I'm in the wrong place. One sec. First of all, we're going to be in Matthew, which I wasn't, so that's important. Then the chapter is 18, the big numbers, and then the verses are the little numbers. If you're using that red Bible, it's page 873. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right, Matthew 18. Verses uh, 21 through 35, I'm just going to read through it. All right, kiddos, listen to this story that Jesus shared. Then Peter approached him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? Jesus says this, I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle his accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Just a quick pause. In today's money, 10,000 talents is about $6.1, $6.2 billion. Since he did not have the money, who does, to pay it back, his master recommended 
excuse me, his master commanded that he, his wife, and his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell down before him and said, Be patient with me. I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and hear this one, and forgave him the loan. Verse 28, that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's about $12,000 in today's money. Uh, By the way, a denarii is a day's wages for a day labor, and a talent is about 20 years wages for a day laborer, if you're interested. So the guy owed him about $12,000. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, pay me what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and, and, and began begging with him. He said the exact same thing we just heard. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what he was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then, after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also, my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgive his brother or sister from your heart. How many times are we just like that unforgiving servant? How many times have we been forgiven something and yet we turn around and judge someone else for the same thing without any forgiveness or mercy? How many times, you know, are we just like that? I mean, the next time you're tempted, the next time you're tempted to be really hard on that kid at the fast food restaurant because he got your order wrong, I want you to remember what you were like when you were a kid. And I want you to remember what you're like at work when you have a bad day. And for those of you that really hate your job, I want you to remember how much you serve others well in the job you don't like. Let's remember that when we're looking at those kids in the restaurant or looking at those people who serve us. Or the next time you lash out or you just act really poopy pants, uh, it's a kid's sermon, so we're going to add some kid stuff. The next time you act poopy pants because of a, a leader's decision that you don't like, like your boss makes a decision you don't like, a politician is making a decision you don't care for, um, maybe a church leader makes a decision you don't care for, and you're just like, blah, and you're judging them, I want you to think about what you might have done in the same situation they were in. And I want you to ask yourself, have you ever had to make a tough decision and made the wrong choice? Have you ever second-guessed your choice? Have you ever had to be working through it? Have you ever been in a position that they could be in and not done it well? Or is it possible that you could be in that position and make a mistake? Is that a possibility? So be cautious how you assess and how you judge. Or maybe the next time that you, know, you blow up and you scoff and you roll your eyes at somebody else for their sin and their stumble, let's remember the last time you sinned and the last time you stumbled. God is the perfect judge. He's given us their criteria by which we do this. We are not that perfect judge. So really, we need to remember, we ought to remember our own struggles and our own challenges when we're judging others for the very same things that we do. That's really good. 
All right, let's hit the pause button real quick because we've actually covered a lot here. And I want to make sure all our little note takers have been able to keep up. So let's kind of look at our Bible reading pages. Maybe yours looks like mine. I put the date in mine. It's the 29th. So I put 5-29-22. And then I've never not done this. I put my name on here, even though there's not a spot for my name. Maybe you're a doodler like me. You've kind of filled in that M a little bit. I drew some lines. Um, and then I put check marks because I, like I like a to-do list, right? How many love to-do lists? So I put check. We prayed. Number one, done. Got it. Two, we did our Bible reading, right? So did you guys put in what we read in our Bible? Romans 2, 1 through 16. So I put that as our Bible reading. And then I've been listening and I've been thinking, what can I learn from this? And I learned that God's judgment is right. So I wrote God's judgment is right. And I wrote God is the judge. Because sometimes I need to be reminded that I'm not the judge. And then maybe you're in next gen. Maybe you need more space. You can flip yours over. I flipped mine over. I took care of Pastor Brian's first point that we should be careful how we judge others. And then I wrote down Matthew 18, 21 to 35, because I want to look at that story later. And then I know Pastor Brian kind of covered it, but I didn't listen. So I wrote down, I have some questions. I don't remember what a denarii or a talent was. It sounded like a type of food. So I put that in my question box. So, so we've heard that God is the perfect judge, but what's next, Pastor Where Brian? Where are you eating talents and denarii? It's a, I don't know. <laughs> it's a back alley restaurant. <laughs> Here's what's next. Uh, our second point. Because God's judgment is right, we should cherish God's rich blessings that are specifically designed to lead us to repentance. We see that in Romans 2, verses 4 and 5. Um, what we find, in fact, let's just read that really quick. It's been a little while. This is just a couple verses. Romans uh, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. He says, Are you, or do you despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Because of your hardened and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. Here's what's happening. By despising God's blessings that are supposed to cause us to turn to him and find forgiveness, we're actually storing up wrath because we're not asking for him to forgive us. We're not seeking him. And so that's problematic. Do you remember what we just read? What are the blessings that are designed to lead us to repent? What are they? Let's take a look. They're in verse 4. They are kindness. And in this case, kindness is this benevolent, free gift of grace that none of us deserve. What great kindness that he would give us such a thing. And we forget, and we sometimes even despise it. The second one is restraint. Restraint is holding back what we deserve. Hey, kiddos. Hey, little kiddos. How many of you have a big dog? And anybody have a big dog, and you put them on a leash, and sometimes they want to go play ball, and they're running really fast. You're like holding back the leash, right? God is holding back the wrath that you're owed, like we're pulling back on that. He's keeping, he's keeping that back. He's exercising restraint. And number three is patience. That means being slow to act, which gives us time to repent, to hear the gospel, maybe to have others come along and help us so that we can see the Lord and see his ways. And that time is helpful, isn't it? Now, here's the interesting thing about this. This isn't just despising these blessings for ourselves by ignoring them or forgetting about them. Because he's talking about judging others and he's talking about despising these blessings, what's he really getting at? 
What he's really getting at is that we despise when God gives these blessings to other people, don't we? We demand them for ourselves. Oh, be patient with me. Oh, forgive my $6.2 billion in debt. And the second somebody else needs the same blessing, nope, choke them out. Isn't there times when you're mad at somebody? You want God to just bring down the wrath, and yet it's the same stuff he could be mad at you about? So we despise his good blessings for others. We ignore them for ourselves. The idea is we need to be very careful here, and we need to cherish what God is doing for others just as he's doing them for ourselves. We sure want it for ourselves, and we're sure slow to want it for others, aren't we? It reminds me of Jonah in the Bible. And everybody goes, oh, the guy and the fish. But the story is really fascinating when it starts. God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah doesn't want the Ninevites to be saved because he doesn't, they, don't, they don't obey God. They don't like God. They don't listen to what he has to say. And so he's mad and wants God to judge them while he's running to Tarshish instead of doing what God just told him to do. He's doing the exact same thing he's mad at them for, disobeying and not listening and following the Lord. And then it just... It ends kind of the way it starts a little bit. God's going to forgive all these Ninevites. They've repented. And there's Jonah. Again, he's gotten poopy pants, and he's upset, and he's frustrated that God would forgive them. And God is showing Jonah patience, and he's showing him his mercy, and he grows this big plant to give him some shade. So maybe Jonah will have some time to figure out that while God loves Jonah, he also loves the Ninevites. And of course, Jonah doesn't really figure that out, and he throws a big old poopy pants fit again, and then guess what God's doing? Holding back the hounds with restraint to not just blow Jonah up. He's gently walking with Jonah. As Jonah's mad about God not judging them, at the same time, God is not judging and blowing up Jonah. This is what this really shows us. This is kind of what this reminds me of. And could you imagine what it would be like if there was no kindness and no restraint and no patience from God? Take a minute and just think about that. When I was a kid, I hated, I hated studying for spelling tests, which if any of you have read my blog posts, you know that's just who I am. Spelling and me don't get along. I remember being like one of these little kids, you know, in element, second grade maybe, and my dad would help me, and, and he thought it was fun. The second I just barely started getting a word wrong, you know, I'm trying to spell the word, I'm like, e. L. And before I could even get the letter out, if it was a wrong word, he would go, wrong! Scare the tar out of me. Wrong! No patience, no time. Just... <sighs> what would it be like if God did that the very moment you were dabbling in sin? Boom! Blew you up with this full, complete, justified wrath. <sighs> Which, by the way, is what you completely deserve and what I deserve, too. That's exactly what we deserve. Before we even have a chance to pull back and not do that sin, boom, blown off the face of the planet. I am so thankful, and I hope you are too, that our Heavenly Father shows us kindness, and He shows this restraint, and He shows us this patience. So the next time that you sin, okay, no matter how big or no matter how small, the next time you sin, take just a few seconds and just hit the pause button and realize in that moment that God is offering you the kindness of his gospel and forgiveness again and again and again, and thank him for that. Thank you for your kindness. It leads me back to repentance. And also realize that he is using great restraint to keep from blowing you off the face of the earth because he loves you. 
And Jesus on the cross is holding that back, making that work. Recognize that restraint. And realize, please don't fail to remember how patient he is with you. He's perfectly patient. And he waits with you. And he's giving you these patient gifts, kindly holding in restraint. And cherish them. Go, man, Lord, I thank you. But here's the real point here. Cherish it when he gives these gifts to your brothers and sisters in Christ too. When he's slow with the Ninevites who are in disobedience or the people of the other political party you don't like or the guy down the street who's a sinner or whoever you feel inclined to judge, be so thankful and cherish God for his kindness that draws that person to repentance one day, for his restraint and for his patience with them. Because God is a good judge, we ought to cherish, cherish, love, this kindness, restraint, and patience. All right. Let's hit that pause button again and look back at our sheets one more time. I want to make sure our note takers are keeping up. What else have you guys added to this sheet? Did you add something else in number three? I did. I put God is kind, patient, and shows restraint. I put that in my learn box again. And then in the application, I put if God is patient and kind with me, I should be patient and kind with others too. So maybe you're thinking through an application that you can apply this to your life. I, I put that there too. And then on, on the back, I put the number two. You just heard Pastor Brian share it, that we should cherish God's rich, richest blessings for us and for others. So that's kind of where I'm at. Oh, and then I put a question in my box too, because I want to discuss this with my family tonight. What would a world without kindness look like? That was an interesting question to me. So I put that in that question box too. So we've covered a lot of stuff here. You covered the first two, Pastor Brian. You said we should be careful how we judge others. And then you said we should cherish God's rich blessing. But I thought you said something else about salvation, right? We need to depend on Christ for salvation. We have one more. We have one more. There's a time coming when God's restraint and his patience will end. So a lot of times we just think that's infinite, no end. That's not true. The Bible doesn't say that. There is a time coming. And we just read about it in this scripture. When God will repay, there is a time coming. And that's the point of verses 6 through 16. I'm not going to read through all that. But because God's judgment is right, we should depend on Jesus for salvation. Now, technically speaking, for you seminary students over here and over there and around the room, those who, technically speaking, Paul does not get to the good news, the gospel, in this part of his argument. He's setting it up so that by the time he gets to chapter 3, we are fully prepared to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So we're going to jump a little ahead to the gospel, but please note that verse 6 says, God will repay each according to his works. And if we were to continue reading a few chapters in Romans, guess what we would learn? Based on our works... There is no amount of work we can do that will cause us not to be condemned before the judge. No amount of work you can do. You could try to balance the scales, make up for the bad you did with the good. It won't even be enough. It won't even be close to enough. There is nothing you could do in that way to measure up. In fact, we're doomed. That's what this is saying. We are completely doomed. Our works are like filthy rags. They just aren't going to cut it. The Bible makes this crystal clear. This is why the gospel is such good news. 
Here's what's going to happen. For those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, what you're doing is you're saying, I trust Jesus works. When God entered humanity and he took on, you know, he took the God nature and put it with the human nature and he did the works, his works are sufficient. His works get the job done. He does enough. By his work, you can be saved, but how do you get his work? Why would God, why in the world, when you're standing before the judge, why in the world would God say, well, you didn't measure up, but I'll go ahead and give you Jesus' works? Because Jesus says, whoever puts their faith and trust in me, I will trade his sin for my righteousness, which is what I'm saying, the work I did. Jesus' works are now credited to you because your sin was credited to Jesus and he was killed for it. And then he rose from the grave. The gospel says, wow, we're doomed and in a real mess. We're real stuck. Jesus is our hero. He comes in and says, you can take the credit for my works and be saved. And Jesus gets the glory and we get salvation. This is why the gospel is so beautiful. It's why it's so wonderful. But it's for all who would say, yep, I'll do that. I'll trade you my sin. I am a sinner. I'm going to repent from my ways, thinking I can save myself, thinking I can do all this. And I'm going to go with that plan because that's a good plan. And I'm going to believe it and I put my hope in it. Now, some of you are going, well, right now, like, how, how's that going to play out? Well, that's why it's called hope and faith, and it will play out. And we trust Jesus, and as we walk with him, we see that this is the plan. This is what he is going to do for those of you who say, yep, I'm all in. I'm going to let Jesus call all the shots. And if you will do that, you will be saved. You just got to stop rejecting Jesus and instead cherish him and trust him and go by his ways. Because God's judgment is right. We must. We must. We should. We ought to. Please. Let me plead with you. Please. We need to depend on Jesus Christ for our salvation. I want to ask a really important question right now. Parents in the room, how many of you guys know how to share the gospel with your kids? It's okay if you don't. That's why we're here. We're here to help you. But, but how many of you genuinely know how to share the gospel with your kids? We talked about fueled up families and how we want that to be a conference for our kids and our parents. And that's because we want to help our parents. We want to equip them. There was a time when I didn't know how to share the gospel with my child. What about our kids in the room? How many of our kids know how to share the gospel? I know one of you was learning the three circles this week. That's a great tool to share the gospel. Next-gen kids, what about you guys? Some of you guys are started jobs. You're in a workplace. God's called you there. Are, are you sharing the gospel there? Some of you guys are going to new schools next year. Are you prepared to, to share the gospel and point others towards Jesus next year too? It's important that we know how to do that. And Pastor Brian and I, we're here to help you. If you want to talk more about that for your kiddos or for yourself, please, please, please come chat with us. Come up afterwards and say, hey, Pastor Josiah, what can I do to disciple my kids? Or come up with us and say, hey, what must I do to be saved? I'm hearing this. I'm recognizing I need Jesus. I must depend on him for my salvation. Come, please, and talk with us so we can either share Jesus with you or equip you to share Jesus with others. So now let's review the ground that we've covered here today. Let's just, let's conclude with this. Okay, and some of you should just be able to flip your notes over and see right where we're going. God's judgment is right. It's perfect. It's correct. God's judgment is right. Because God's judgment is right, we should be careful how we judge others, knowing we do the same. We should cherish 
God's rich blessings because they're intended to lead us to repentance. And then finally, we should depend on Jesus Christ for our salvation. That's right. So at this point in the service, your sheet should pretty much be done. We've got our three points on there that we need to be careful how we judge others. We need to cherish God's blessings, not just for ourselves, but for others. And then we need to depend on Christ for our salvation. So hopefully you filled that out. You've got your, we prayed, we read our Bible, we've learned some things, I hope, and hopefully there's some stuff you can apply to. Maybe there's some questions you have for mom and dad after. I also took it one step forward. You know, Pastor Brian was talking about those three blessings that we get from God. I actually circled them in my Bible. So Patience, in your kindness, Bible. restraint. If you're using a Red Pew Bible, please don't do that. Yeah, don't do it but, in a red one. But that's an option too. <laughs> and then I don't know if you remember from the very beginning, Pastor Brian shared Matthew 7, 2. It says we shouldn't judge others because we're going to get judged by the same way God judges us. I thought that's a verse I need to remember. So I put that in my scripture memory verse. Parents, this is a great tool. We're going to share this on Realm. This is something that you can use at, on a family worship service or at home or, or just as you're doing a discipleship with your kids. I hope you guys have benefited from that. I know we've covered a lot in this short amount of time, but I hope it's been beneficial for you. I want to just pray as we kind of close our time together this morning. Lord, I thank you so much that you are patient and kind with us. Lord, I, I thank you that you don't give us the judgment we deserve right when we deserve it. I don't want to blow up, Lord. <laughs> thank you for sending your son to tie on the cross for us so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Lord, I, I pray that everyone in here would, would feel like they're equipped to share the gospel. And if they need help, Lord, I pray that they'd come to Pastor Brian or myself and find the tools and resources they need to share the gospel at their workplaces, at their schools, and maybe their, their co-ops or, or their home groups, Lord. It, just everywhere they go, Lord, I, I pray that we would be a church that's known for sharing the gospel everywhere we go. I thank you for what we've been able to learn today, together this morning, and I, I thank you for the opportunity that we've had to worship as a faith family. I pray this simple sheet, this simple tool that we've gone through would be something that's beneficial, not just for the kids here, but the kids at heart, uh, that maybe it would help them as they're studying their Bible. They'd use those same steps as they're spending time in your word each day. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. We praise you today. In your name, amen. Amen. We'd love to have you as our guest. For more information, visit redeeminglifeutah.org.